So anyway, Marina, I just have a feeling that today's episode is going to be a long one, which means grabbing the very first Anderson character we see to press the button. You ready to order, sir? Sue Ellen, yes, you'll do. Ah. If you could just place your hand right here for me, that's it. Please, call the police. He's a nerd. I am not. I just wanted her to press my big red button. It's, oh, yes, I can see how that might be taken the wrong way. Oh, dear. Uh, anyway, Marina, uh, what have we got today? It's... Oh, well, I was right about it being a longer episode, but... On your feet, boy. I'm taking you into custody. Splendid. A jail cell will be just the place to watch a Thunderbirds episode that has proven particularly polarizing over the years. But here, I'll give you an example. I say, Sheriff Bull, what are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, no! You see? Ah, well, here we go anyway, with Move and You're Dead. Thunderbirds are go. So here we are with one of the more controversial episodes of Thunderbirds, I think it's fair to say that, because this episode is so far out of the norm for this show, and yet, for some reason, behaves like it's business as usual. It's very strangely pl plotted, very strangely constructed. I know it's not a favourite of many people, but I'm sure there are people out there who appreciate it for how different it is. I... Oh, I kind of take it for what it is. I don't get too bogged down in the fact that it's not very good. There are one or two major issues I have with it, which we will, uh, we will get to as we get to them. So, for those... I'm sure few of you who haven't seen this episode. This is the one where Alan and Grandma are stuck on the side of a bridge with a bomb that will explode if they even so much as move a muscle. Which is why Grandma is sort of casually rolling her head around and Alan is now raising his wrist very slowly to call for help. It's one of those bombs where, you know, don't move at all. Or move, it's fine. No matter what you do, your main characters, you'll be alright. I'm trying to think of any other Thunderbirds episodes that begin with events already in progress, and then we get a flashback to to what's happened. Uh, give or take a million would be one, um, which is still fresh in my mind. The uh, unending tedium of that is still still with me. Um, I can't really think of any others, though. I'm sure there must be someone. I'm sure someone will point them out to me. Where's Grandma? <laughs> and we have an another amazing continuity clock up there. Jeff was behind his desk, and uh, Alan said one word, and suddenly Jeff is now around the other side of his desk, sitting on it reading a magazine, because he's really not invested in the, the plight of his son. Alan? No time to explain. Alan? What? All you can do is... You just see Alan on his little wall screen talking. You can't tell from that shot that he's in any kind of trouble. It's just a shot of his face. Yes, Mr. Crate. Is it just like the existence of Alan is a, a problem for Scott? It's like, oh, that brother we don't like. Oh, yeah. And I know I complained uh, in Give or Take a Million about the length of the Thunderbird 2 launch sequence when there's no music, but this... This opening has been very uh, snappy and pacey so far. They're only showing you the bare minimum. It's got the lovely music behind it. It's Thunderbirds 1 and 2 launching together. Um, although it's always that, that odd uh, thing with Thunderbirds sometimes. When you see the selection of the pod for Thunderbird 2. They've chosen pod 1. I don't know 
on what basis they choose any of the pods, because aside from obviously pod 4, I don't think there's any consistency with regard to which vehicle is in which pod, and also how they know what exactly they need for this. I mean, the whole idea is that Thunderbird 1 goes out, then radios back and says, OK, we need this, this, this and this. It doesn't make sense, I don't think, for for 1 and 2 to go off together, because if they get there and Thunderbird 2 has brought the wrong pod, then they're a bit stuck. They've got to go back and get the other one. When? Sometime around 1,300 hours, according to Alan. But that's only and it's really convenient that the baddies told him exactly what time the bomb would go off. Why... why didn't they just kill them? Why didn't they just push them off the bridge or something? Do you think they can hold out? I hope so. If, I mean, Jeff said they were being really clever when they planned this. Were they, though? I mean, you could easily take them out to the bridge and kick them off. Put a bullet in their heads, maybe. Not that I want to see Alan and Grandma get killed. But this... Sticking them on the side of a bridge with a bomb that's going to detonate if they move, which doesn't appear to be working because they're moving all over the place, which is then going to blow up anyway. I don't understand what they're thinking here. I want you to tell me exactly how you got into this fix. And I promise I won't laugh because I admit it's got to be kind of an unlikely story. Tintin and I want to hear the whole story. Okay. Okay then. Oh, sorry, boy. I'm riveted already. It's very fascinating. Do go on. Pity you two can't come to the sands with me, though. Alan, you know we can't. Supposing Father received a distress call while we were gone. Anyway, we'll... This is uh, another odd... Odd episode for continuity, because Grandma... Th this is supposedly the story of Grandma arriving on Tracy Island. Even though we've seen in episodes made before this and shown before this that she's been there for some time already. And in fact, introducing Thunderbirds, which takes place before Trapped in the Sky, even though it's... You could maybe make the argument that it's not part of the televisual canon, uh, shows that she was there before Trapped in the Sky. Now, either she was just making a visit on all those other times she was there, or the writer of this episode, whose name escapes me for the moment, has just decided to ignore that? Which seems rather odd. Uh, I'm not... I know shows back in the 60s weren't produced with as much attention to continuity as they are now. Certainly, I, I would never say that Thunderbirds was produced without an eye for detail. But certainly, the sort of ins and outs of what's going on with the characters and their histories weren't as closely um, followed. But it is odd that we've had Grandma here for at least three episodes that I can think of before this time. The Mighty Atom, um, Operation Crash Dive, Vault of Death. She's been there for all of them. And yet, suddenly, she hasn't been there. And we're only just now going to get her. Unless they have two. One of them died and the, uh, they had to go out and fetch the other identical one. The first impressions are great. Tell Brains he's done it again. She's a beaut. Is this really the first time you've tested the car? You're entering it for a race and this is the first time you've driven it? The, like, the actual trip to the race itself? Seems a bad move. I just wish I was going with him. Well, to keep him company, you know. Yeah, I know. 
Um, does this really warrant the wah-wah music? Um, the only reason I can think that that's there is because they're trying to do the Oh, she's a woman thing. Um, it kind of falls flat. Maybe it worked better at the time, but I'm just wondering why... Why they couldn't let Tintin off for for this trip? It's not like she generally contributes much to uh, to international uh, international rescue goings on. I know she does do from time to time, but she's not as indispensable as say one of the Tracys or Brains or someone. She could have come along for this. No, oh, we don't want any of those pesky girls involved with what is uh, evidently just a a boy car race. And here we have another, another very odd element for this very odd episode. This car park, where people drive in, they park their car on this um, platform, and then this sea captain operates a few levers and raises the platform up to to deposit it on a higher floor. I mean, it looks very futuristic. But it's completely impractical, and looks very dangerous. As we find out later, it is extremely dangerous. But of course, this is Thunderbirds, where uh, we laugh in the face of danger, and as soon as we've parked our car, we go to the cocktail lounge, of course. Because when you've got a lot of uh, high-speed race car drivers all in the same car park, you want them dosed up on, on cocktails. This is an, another very odd moment. Um, the soundtrack might suggest that you're looking at a shot of lots of cars revving their engines. In fact, what we're looking at is various close-ups on paintings in the back of the cocktail bar. Um, that is still going on, by the way. We're just staring at close-ups of this one car on this one painting. Um, I don't know why. I think it's meant to imply action rather than show it, but it's just so odd. Oh, now we're in the race itself. And again, we can't, it feels like I can't even go 10 seconds without a, a very odd thing occurring. Here we have this race that Alan is participating in, Alan and Gomez and other drivers. Um, but it is essentially just... Uh, a death race. It's kill or be killed. It's drivers are flying off the track left and right and obviously being killed. Their vehicles are exploding. Um, and it's just so odd that this exists in the world of Thunderbirds. It's why, why are you allowing this race where people are literally being killed? This is more or less sort of... Seems that nothing is impossible for this fabulous machine and... This is almost... I don't know what this is. This is, like, kind of bordering on sort of... Still prefers to remain... Post-apocalyptic kind of... Mad Max-ish territory where people can just throw their lives away in, uh... In... There goes another one! And he's crashed into a TV van! And oh, and by the way, he's dead. Oh yeah, we send out the one little pokey fire engine and two little pokey ambulances. I'm sure that'll take care of the fact that three vehicles are now on fire. Yeah, very odd, very casual disregard for life this week. And I know that sometimes Thunderbirds does get a bit sort of 
hang on a minute with regard to let's sort of murder the bad guys if at all possible but here we have a race where people are just being killed all over and it's okay I don't get it I don't get this does not feel like the same show we've been watching for the previous however many episodes actually I, th I have a feeling I know why all the drivers are being killed off one by one it's because this race is not especially exciting in itself um, just watching these two models slowly pulling up alongside and uh, I kind of like that you you then cut to the puppet shot of the puppets of Alan and Gomez in their puppet scale cars sort of looking at each other but the the chase itself wow what a finish this is going to be no it's not it's not that impressive now the two cars move out of sight as they come into the difficult cliff stretch oh good a cliff stretch well, if all the other drivers weren't already dead, this would certainly thin out the herd. Again, it's so odd that the the Tracys must have known going in that this is what Alan would be involved with. I can't see that Jeff would just give him the okay to either risk his life or potentially risk other people's lives on something so needlessly... not just dangerous, just flat-out suicidal. I mean, Alan is now about to be almost pushed off a cliff into, well, a, a painting of some railings along the cliff. It's a very unconvincing backdrop. Um, and I'm not even watching this in HD, I'm watching it off the DVDs. <sighs> it's, this is almost like a sort of a parallel universe version of Thunderbirds. That You know how there's like, in every show you love, there's one episode that just completely misses the point and almost seems to come from a parallel universe? where everything's just a bit off. That's what this is feeling like. Here they come. Or at least bits of them, maybe. We don't care. Here comes. Human life means nothing anymore. We've, the, the, the remaining contestants are being scooped up into buckets. Their steaming carcasses sort of scraped off the road. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to announce the result of the Parola Sands race. Everybody except the first two racers is dead, dead, dead. I'd like to lay my hands on the designs for that car. Yeah, then we'd really be in the big time. You, you know, you're not doing too badly considering that all your potential competitors aside from Alan are now dead. See, that would have made more sense if you could have hinted at the thought that Gomez and Gillespie, is that the other guy's name? were responsible for the deaths of all those other drivers. As it is, it's just like, nope, that's a normal part of the race. Life is cheap, has no meaning. Live for today, for tomorrow we plunge off a cliff and explode. Will do. Alan, you're doing great. Now carry on with your story. It's really interesting and well-constructed. Okay, Kenny, she's all yours. I just wish she was, Alan. I wish she was. Um, did, did you get the hint? I really want the car. Can I have the car? I mean, you're going back home after the race. You're never going to use this car again. Can I have the car? Alan? This poor old sea captain. No matter what time of day it is, this sea captain is just managing the stacker, as they call it. Filing cars away. He must get very bored. Oh no. Oh, I'd forgotten this. I thought the sea captain just kind of was ignored throughout the episode, but no, he's about to be knocked out. 
by naughty old Mr. Gomez. <laughs> I, always, I love no matter what. Oh no, oh, the sea captain has just been hit on the head with a spanner or a wrench or something. Oh, a wrench. You haven't killed the guy, have you? No, I was just a little tad. Just enough to keep it out. With, with a solid metal wrench. Oh, come on. Yeah, I love that as soon as they park the car, no matter what slot on the stacker the car is parked in, it arrives right next to the cocktail lounge. It's like, just... Hi, Alan. Oh. How thoughtful of you to call me so soon after the race. My, but I was that excited. Yes, Grandma, it certainly was exciting. Come on. <laughs> Lots of people died, Grandma. So now they're, um... Gomez and, and Thingy are... They've taken control of the stacker from the sea captain and they're going to knock a car onto the telecall booth that Alan is currently talking to Grandma on. Again, this is a kind of a very specific sequence of events needs to need to align in order for this, this murder attempt to happen. None of which seem reasonably realistic. Um, I mean, the mere existence of this stacker thing at all is just baffling. Look out there! I suppose it kind of fits with things like the London car view later on, where just car parking in the future has become this uh, this nightmare, even more of a nightmare than it already is. Oh. Alan has just managed to escape by cunningly finishing his call and walking out of the booth before it can be crushed by a car. Can't believe that I'm joining International Rescue Team at last. I'm that proud of you boys and all the wonderful things you do. But you. You already were a member of the team, weren't you? I mean, you were there in those episodes, weren't you? I did see you. Um, I mean, you suggested, in Vault of Death, you suggested going through the, the underground tunnels when nobody else could think of anything. Were you not part of the team then? Have, have we... I don't know, have we jumped a time track? This just feels like it should be. At bare minimum. In chronological terms, this needs to be the second episode. And were it not for the fact that they mentioned that International Rescue already is in operation, I would maybe even put this before Trapped in the Sky. It doesn't make sense for, for them to be behaving like she's not been there all along when she has been there all along. And I think back in the day, this episode went out in like the second half of the first season, which would have made it even more baffling. I've always seen it as episode 9 um, on the ITC, I think, recommended order. This is the order it was shown in on the BBC. And even then it makes no sense. On original broadcast, it must have been just so baffling. It's up there with Plant of Doom being shown as, like, the 30-somethingth episode of Stingray. Fancy meeting you and the little old lady. You? You were one of those so-called reporters that interviewed me this morning. All right. Again, this is such an odd plan that they've constructed. Every single step of it. I mean, what what evil plan involves interviewing old lady? Could you just? You know that. No, it's not the award money. Once you're out of the way. It's so strange. These guys should not be succeeding in any step of their plan, and yet so far, they can't put a foot wrong. It's really odd. You would also expect this being an invention of brains. Oh yeah, they've just left Gomez behind. <laughs> Gillespie's got the car and just left Gomez behind. That's a perfect opportunity for a double cross, I think. Um, but yeah, you would think that this being an invention of brains, he would have snuck in some kind of uh, 
anti-theft device, for lack of a better term, but apparently not. Come on, Alan. You're doing great. Don't give up. Not now. Not when it's just threatening to get mildly interesting. It, it will, won't it? I mean, something's going to happen, isn't it? Crossing the Pacific Coast now. I can see the sign that says Pacific Coast starts here. I love it when they do that. It's like doing the thing now. I don't I don't really notice it in other shows, but on the Anderson shows, especially Thunderbirds, that it's always something now. You and your buddies are onto something new. And we want to know what it is. We were the tops till you whipped us. Come on. Well, what is it that this car has got that yours doesn't. I mean, you you lost the race to Alan, but only just. You didn't do too badly. And like I said, if he wasn't there, you would have won. This car has not exhibited anything that makes it worth going to all this insane trouble to get your hands on it. Paul! The whole place goes up ahead of schedule. We're gonna switch it on by remote control. Now, some might say that this is a lot of trouble to go to to steal a car. They're probably right. Um, but we're committed to this now, so whatever. You can't... You can't say that they're not dedicated to their insane plan. These two have really thought through every step. This is a rare shot of, um... Of the interior of Thunderbird 2. Um... Of Brains's lab. Um... Because normally, the interior of Thunderbird 2, we see the cockpit, obviously. We see, um, like, the spot, the, the room where they would winch people down from, or where they would launch, like, cables from, or rockets and such. I don't recall ever seeing a room on Thunderbird 2 that is a self-contained room with a window and such. I know we saw Brains' lab in Pit of Peril, but it was kind of implied that that was inside the pod whereas I don't think that shot was inside the pod because you could see there was a window and you could see the the outside moving past it so there we are we found something interesting didn't think we would but uh, there it is a window remember the code of international rescue not to give up at any cost oh, well that is a nice nice sentiment uh, and one that people do seem to remember which is why it's always surprising to think that it's tucked away in this episode. Um, in which life has no meaning and... Um, Make it fast, Virgil. Alan's almost had it. And nobody likes this episode, really. I mean, I I could be wrong. If there are any Move On, Move On Your Dead fans out there, uh, I would be interested to hear from someone who, who likes this episode. But by and large, I've never heard anybody saying any any positive things about this other than maybe that it's something of a break from the norm but it's not really a break in a in a positive direction or even a direction that you can really get your head around now of course one of the things people love about thunderbirds are the pod vehicles I mean, things like the mole and the recovery vehicles and the firefly i love the firefly the elevator cars and then you have this episode, where it looks like they've just cobbled together the pod vehicles en route to the danger zone itself. This thing that Brains is driving, in, I think it's called a neutralizer, it is just a little 
caterpillar track tank thing with a satellite dish on the top. Uh, useful for disarming bombs, I suppose. Never seen again after this episode, I don't think. But it's very sort of un undynamic and undramatic. Are those words? I've made them words. And here we have another even more pathetic pod vehicle. Uh, this time being operated by Virgil. This is... I don't know if this even has a name, to be honest. Um, it's a little... thing that has uh, two jets of air sticking up the front, which people can fall onto, and the jets of air will support their weight and prevent them from falling and hurting themselves. Uh, good idea in, in principle. However, in practice, the, uh, the realisation is extremely goofy to the point where you could almost wonder if this is sort of a uh, Acme surplus. Just, it goes very sort of cartoony at this point. Very, very Looney Tunes, this machine. Here we go. The jets are on. Alan's about to fall. There he goes, and he's off. But he's okay because he's boing, boing, boing. He's landed. He's landed precisely on these two tiny little nozzles of air that somehow have saved him. Um, Come on, Grandma. You're next. There's not much time. And this is a very undignified <laughs> shot of Grandma just sitting on top of this these jets of air. She is essentially also banging her head on the solid metal on the back of the driver's cab of this machine. Um, I kind of... Again, the, the principle of it is is sound, but the execution is just so lacking to the point where the machine itself would probably end up killing more people than it saved. However, this time, Alan and Grandma are okay. The bridge is gone. Gomez and Gillespie have got the car. <laughs> Here again, we have another life is cheap and who cares kind of attitude, this time astonishingly from International Rescue, where Thunderbird 1 is actually machine gunning the stolen car, at least opening fire on the, the road near them. But, I mean, this... They don't even do this sort of thing for the hood, usually. Well, Penelope does. But just this casual sort of, let's scare them into stopping thing. You must have a better way to stop them than this. Don't you have, like, I don't know, grabs or something? Or even just flying low over them? But no. And again, this is a, a wonderful bit of Thunderworld design. Um, we just have this straight road, straight road, straight road, and then... Cliff! <laughs> just just a cliff. And we're off the cliff. And uh, Gomez and Gillespie are dead. One could make the argument that Scott is indirectly, if not directly, responsible for their deaths. But um, they were nasty, so who cares? I think it's very good, Verge. Yeah. Except that the technique is about a hundred years out of date. Oh, but you must admit that it's it's really you, Alan. Yeah. 
I do like the the end scene here, even for the fact that it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that Scott and Virgil are just magically standing on the uh, Thunderbird 3 sofa spot. Um, but it, it is a good moment to show off the quality of the actors of um, Shane Lim and David Holliday and um, uh, Matt Zimmerman. Sorry, I hadn't forgotten who played Alan. I was just thinking, was that David Holliday playing Virgil? Uh, yes, it was. I'm sure it was. Anyway, that was Move and You're Dead. Um, not one of my favourites by a long way. However, although I don't even think it's a good episode by any stretch, it does hold my attention. Um, not for any entertainment value, but just for how sort of off and wrong and strange it is. Uh, oh yes, David Holliday, we got that one. Um, no other episode of Thunderbirds feels like this. Like I said, it does feel like it comes from a parallel universe version of Thunderbirds. And not even like a distant parallel universe, just the next one off to ours where everything is just that little bit off, just doesn't make as much sense as it normally would. And yeah, the just casual approach to, to life, these baffling plans of the baddies, and the whole grandma continuity thing, but I suppose Thunderbird's continuity is a bit of a minefield to start with anyway.